0: friends and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so pumped to have you here with me this week. This week is kind of special for me. It is my last week of being 29. So it's my last week in my 20s, which is So crazy. I honestly can't believe I'm turning 30 this weekend. But I must say that I feel like I've been in my 20s forever. So I guess that's kind of a good thing to know that like 10 years actually feels like a really long time. I don't know. That provides me with some comfort, I guess, going into my 30s now. <laughs> so anyways, while we are on the topic of me turning 30, I just want to give you all a heads up that next week I am going to be doing another solo episode to celebrate my birthday. I threw out some feelers and it sounds like you all want a special birthday episode from me. So I will be doing this solo episode. If you have any requests of what you'd like to hear throughout this solo episode next week, just shoot me a DM or an email. You can find my contact information on my website, megdoll.com, and just let me know what you'd like to hear next week. However, I have already received quite a few really great suggestions so I'm going to do my best at kind of like compiling them all in a way that kind of makes sense so stay tuned for next week's episode but this week we have my friend and registered dietitian and also a fellow HA recovery woman and also HA coach <laughs> Lindsay Lesson. So, Lindsay and I sit down, talk about her journey, our journeys through HA recovery, and kind of some of those hard truths. I really love this episode with Lindsay. We talk about eating more and exercising less and also body image stuff that might come up for you throughout recovery because it tends to come up for a lot of us. So even if you have your period, listen to this episode if body image is a thing that you struggle with or you have the goal of eating more food and you don't really know where to start, this episode is filled with really great nuggets and personal stories of our journeys. And I just adore Lindsay so much. So I know you're going to love this episode. Dive in and I'll see you here next week. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me this week, finally. (laughs) I know, I'm
1: so excited as well. Meg, I'm so glad this time worked out for us to visit, and thanks for having me. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, well, you must be taking a little break from your newborn babe. (laughs) Yes, he
1: is napping right now. We're hoping that he stays asleep. I was actually just texting my husband to make sure, like, hey... (laughs) he wakes up, that one's on you. I'm on a podcast right now. Um, but yeah, he's
0: six weeks old today. Amazing. So how is life with a six week old? It's really
1: good. Our, um, so this is my second, um, child. Our first child had, um, colic, which, um, if you ever have a kid with colic, you will know they're just incredibly fussy. And so, in some ways, that groomed us, I think, to, you know, know what to expect with what could maybe be the worst with a newborn. And he's been super easy. So like, I just feel super blessed to have a child that's a little bit easier second time around. And with, you know, that behind me, I feel like it's been a breeze comparatively. So it's really wonderful.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just so happy for you, and I'm really excited for you to share your story with everyone today. I know if people follow me on social media, they probably also follow you especially if they are working towards getting their period back overcoming HA and trying to get pregnant because that's what you're all about and I absolutely love your Instagram account so I know we were already talking about your babes but why don't you just (laughs) do a better intro for yourself if people who are listening are just meeting you for the first time. Sure.
1: So I'm Lindsay Lawson. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for over a decade. Um, Majority of my career was actually kind of more focused in weight management, which is ironic for what I do now. Um, My journey with HA actually has really shaped my now business. So my journey with HA is that I didn't have a period for over a decade, never had a doctor tell me that it was a big deal, just kind of stayed on birth control and then when it came time to try to start a family, it was kind of like, I don't have a period, what am I supposed to do? So of course I you know, stumbled upon no period, now what? Um, went all in, got my period back um, and stayed connected with women like um, Meg, which were like huge for recovery. I think like community is so important. Um, so what I do now is help women who are looking to get their period back um, for fertility, either like right now or future fertility. Um, We kind of focus on support through the all-in process, much as I'm sure like what you do too, Meg. Um, But again, you know, a little bit more kind of niche down to women specifically for fertility, although that's not, you know, a prerequisite for working with me. But my Instagram handle is food.freedom.fertility. If anybody wants to follow along or connect with me uh, that's listening to the podcast today.
0: Amazing. Yeah, actually just hearing, (laughs) I mean, I feel like I know you so well, but just hearing your story, that brief part of your story, I'm like, oh yeah, all of these questions that I wanted to make sure we talked about today or these talking like topics were just like flooding back to me because um, we do actually, just going back to what you said, you had H.A. for over a decade, which is one of those things that you and I have in common. Everyone knows like I didn't have a period for 12 years and you your story is very similar to that. So I I think that's like kind of a thing that a lot of women actually struggle with is the fact that having like appear not having a period for such a long time and then like what what was that change for you that made you realize like hey I need to do something about this because it was such a long time so what was that changing point
1: well I think that I went through a couple of different times so I was without a period for 13 years just to put a number on it I think that I went through like periods and phases during that 13 years where I was like, this is not right. Like what's going on with me? So I had a phase where I, you know, saw a few different OBGYNs just to get second opinions and was pretty much told the same thing, go on the pill. Um, this isn't that big of a deal. And you know, when you're like, I don't know when you're like in your early twenties, late twenties, and you're not in a relationship and you're not thinking about having babies one day, um, it kind of becomes like not that big of a problem (laughs) so it wasn't really until I found the book no period now what that I realized that there was actually a solution because my whole thought process during this whole decade was I don't get a period I'm okay you know whenever it's time for it'll probably be hard for me to have children I guess was kind of like my thought process so every time you know my now husband would talk about having a family like or like even my mother-in-law would be like when are we gonna have grandkids it was always like such a like punch to the stomach because I was like this is going to be hard for me. I don't know if I can ever have kids. And so it really wasn't until I found the book, No Period Now What, that I was like, oh my gosh, there's a name for what I have. And there's actually a solution because for so long, even though there was a big part of me that maybe didn't want to recover, because I also struggled with an eating disorder. um, It was like, there were no like clear cut things. Like, and that's why I'm so passionate about putting information out there on social media now is because like, I feel like there's so many women who still don't understand why they're not getting a period. And like, there's just so many years wasted when I didn't have the resources, information or support to make the changes I need to, to be healthy.
0: Yes. Okay. So the no period now, what book was actually that point for you that really um, showed you kind of like, okay, this is actually what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. And like,
1: I want, I, I would love to say, like, I read the book and I like, you know, day one started as soon as I finished, you know, the first five chapters or whatever, but I did not. So I came across the information and I think that it was really overwhelming for me because I did understand that it was going to be like a whole lifestyle change and overhaul and I was scared. And so because I had just gotten married when I read the book, I think that I got married in 2016 and found the book in early 2017. Um... I was like, I'm not ready to do this yet. And I put it off for like a number of months. But having that seed planted, I started to have conversations with my husband and my church group and some of the women in my life that I was really close with and just started saying like, I have to do this thing and it's gonna be really hard for me. And so I kind of started like gathering my support team, which I think is really important part of recovery too. Um, And then I gave myself a deadline and that, you know, the deadline was, I didn't want to do like half in because I was like, that's not going to work. Like if I'm going to do this, I need to commit. I need to do it. And so I kind of like marinated on it. I don't really think this is the best approach, but I'm just being honest with what I did. Um, I kind of marinated on it, gathered my support team, set a deadline, and then I went all in. And um, on the day that I went all in, I was leaving for a two-week vacation abroad to Italy and Germany. Um, Had the best time because it was probably one of the first times in, uh, in my adult life that I was able to go on a vacation and not worry about getting into the gym or not having stress about, you know, eating pizza or drinking wine, like really like took everything in. And it was so beautiful, sometimes scary, but like overall, like the best vacation I've ever had. And I came home about two and a half weeks later and got my period. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I know I have one of those stories that I feel like everybody like wants to have. And so I always like to like give a disclaimer that that's not the case for every person, but I think I had a lot of things working in my favor. I was eating a ton, like a ton, like probably double what I was allowing myself typically when I was at home. Um, And I think my stress levels were really low. I mean, right on vacation, you don't have work, you don't have financial stress. And so I think it was kind of like the perfect storm. And then I also, you know, went from regular scheduled running and exercise pretty much every day to just nothing like walking to, you know, do touristy stuff. And so, like I said, I think I had like the perfect trifecta. And then of course, just everyone's bodies are different on like their sensitivity and how, how kind of well or quickly they take to the recovery process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I really have a lot of questions. and just want to kind of like go back to all of these little pieces, but so before we kind of move on, I do want to just go back a little bit because you did mention that you had an eating disorder at some point. And so was the eating disorder, the thing that caused you to have HA? So yes and no. Um,
1: I first lost my period when I was 17 and it wasn't one of those like very obvious things to me, but in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, that's, that was the trigger. So, um, I had some friends in high school whose moms dieted and I think that that rubbed off on them. So they were engaging in dieting behaviors. And, um, I grew up in a home where my mom had an incredibly healthy relationship with food. I don't recall her ever being on a diet Um, but you know, we were shaped by like so many different influences. And so I think that that was a thing for whatever reason I decided, Hey, I need to start, I need to start exercising. And I kind of changed so many things all at once. I was like, I need to start exercising and all of my friends are doing weight watchers and it seems like a healthy, you know, not a fad diet. It's a lifestyle. Um, so I did weight watchers for three months and I started working out five days per week i have a type a personality so like i just like did everything like so meticulously and it didn't even seem hard for me at the time i I guess just because of who i am i'm such a perfectionist anyway so in about three months i dropped about 15 pounds and that's when i lost my period and so in hindsight i'm like oh my gosh i was eating you know 1000 to 1200 calories per day and probably burning 500 calories through exercise so all of those things make sense in hindsight But at the time it just felt like I was doing what everyone else was doing. And so I say that because I think that sometimes we don't realize how quote easy it can be to lose your period engaging in what can, you know, according to diet culture be perfectly healthy behaviors. So that was the start. That was the start Um, because I have an obsessive personality. My, um, it spiraled into an eating disorder very quickly. So that was 17, um, my whole senior year of high school. I was dieting and obsessed with exercise. I didn't recognize that it was an eating disorder. I think my mom was really worried. Um, I went off to college and it got worse. It continued um, as disordered eating throughout college. And then when I got into grad school, um, it was full on eating disorder. And I was getting close to graduating from grad school, ironically, with a degree in nutrition to become a dietitian. And, um, my parents had an intervention with me and said, you know, you're about to be on your own. You're about to have your, um, you know, your own career and everything. We love you. And we think that you need to get help. Will you humor us and at least, you know, do a consult with, um, this outpatient eating disorder clinic. So I kind of decided I would do it like to prove them wrong. And that was probably the first time I realized that I actually had a problem and started being open to giving help.
0: Wow. And so you would have overcame your eating disorder and still had HA. It's kind of where I wanted to bring us to, because I think that's a question that you and I both receive often. Like, do Mm -hmm. I have to have an eating disorder to have my period missing? Like, what if I overcame my eating disorder, you know, and my period still not here? I think that was kind of one of my excuses, personally, for so many years, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I don't have an eating disorder anymore. But I still didn't have my period. Right? So it's like, oh, it must be something else. So I think that's really something important to talk about that you absolutely can recover from your eating disorder and your body's like still not at that place to have right. your cycle back.
1: Right. Yeah. I can yes exactly. That was my exact experience. So um even after now uh, a year of outpatient and, uh, therapy for my eating disorder, I would consider myself, you know, up until recently I probably would have said I completely recovered then. But in hindsight, I don't think I was fully recovered. And that's obviously why I would say it takes a while. Diet. It's a process but it really frustrating because I remember when I, when I read no period now, what, and you know, the chapters on nutrition and everything, I just felt so frustrated because I was like, I already did this. I already overcame all of my restrictions with food and I have a healthy relationship with exercise in my body and stuff now, but I'm still not getting my period. Like I was so frustrated. Like I was like, no, I already did this. I did this when I recovered from eating disorder.
0: Yeah. So what was the difference? Because I felt that too, right? Mm -hmm. I knew, and again, you and I, we both met in the No Period Now What Facebook group. And I was kind of reading a lot of the posts. And it was very clear that people were actually really struggling with their relationship with food. And I was like, I'm not there anymore. But I still don't have a period. So it was really like frustrating and confusing and I feel like anyone who's about to embark on HA recovery they have a lot of like the is this actually what I need to be doing? right? And I think you and I felt that way because we already felt like we had done that, but we still didn't have our period back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's where a lot of women, I think, come to me as like, they almost feel like 75 to 85% recovered from their eating disorder, but they do recognize there's still pieces missing. For me, those pieces were like, I exercised to allow myself to eat quote enough. And I still counted calories. And I think that in a weird way, because I counted calories, I actually had evidence that I wasn't eating enough. Right. So I knew that, oh, you know, I eat 1400 calories to lose weight and 1700 calories to maintain my weight. Yet I'm burning, I don't know, 500 to a thousand calories per day. So like there are these clear numbers that don't add up. Um, And when I read no period now web and then learned about the 2,500, I'm like, oh yeah, well, I'm definitely nowhere there. So there were obviously still huge gaps as to why I wasn't getting my period. And it all basically came down to just not eating enough because I do think that I wasn't like I like didn't eat carbs or sugar or alcohol. like I didn't have like strict you know, restrictions. It was all about amount of food for me and amount of exercise I was doing.
0: And I think it's so important to talk about this because that's how like tricky eating disorders and eating disorder recovery is. And it kind of goes back to what you said about your experience in high school with your friends, right? And diet culture and everything that can seem so normal, like even just the tiniest bit of restriction that you were experiencing post eating disorder recovery, but we're still restricting just like the tiniest amount even, but that's still like control and that's still disordered behavior And that's where so many women find themselves after eating disorder recovery, thinking that they're like fully recovered. But it's like they still have that 10 percent more to go. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that 10 percent will absolutely hold you back from getting your period. I mean, clear as evidenced by both you and I.
0: Both of us. Yeah. So. One other thing that I want to talk about, you said you read the No Period Now What book and you had to marinate on it for a while because there were some things that just kind of scared you about going all in. And I feel like so many women feel that way. So for you, what were the things that were kind of making you feel a little like, I don't know if I can do this like right now? (laughs) I think Meg,
1: the like longest break I had ever taken from exercise was like, four days total, like in the course of 10 years, like I had never not worked out for more than four days at a time for a decade. Like I was so dedicated to my exercise routine. I was the type of person who would come back from the vacation and go to the gym at seven o'clock at night because it was, I had had my fun and it was time to get back on. I mean, I was so dedicated. And so the idea of having to take more than like a week off of exercise was so intimidating. I just didn't know anything different. And it was scary because that was my life. And I think I also struggled a little bit with like guilt, you know, especially with being a dietitian and working in the wellness space, like, um, like I was at the time of like, I am telling people that they need to be exercising, yet I'm going to not exercise for the next you know, six months or however long it takes me to get my period back. So definitely the exercise piece, but I think that if I could go, I know that if I went a level deeper on why I was scared to stop exercising, it was because I was scared to gain weight. And so um, the weight gain piece was absolutely terrifying for me. I had just... I think the longer that you're stuck in quasi recovery, the longer that you really, really, really convince yourself that you're okay. And I was like, yeah, but when I had my eating disorder, I weighed X, and now I weigh that much more. And so I'm good. Like I'm at the place that my body is healthy. I used to not be healthy, but I'm healthy now. And so the weight gain just felt in my mind. I'm unnecessary and scary because I was like well how much weight like I've never even seen my body at the weight that I might need to get to to get my period back and so it was just incredibly intimidating I think also a lot of my identity at the time was wrapped up in my body and controlling my body I didn't really feel like it was at the time but like if I think back to like all of the selfies that I took and all of like the shopping that I did and how thrilling it was to zip up the size you know smaller and you know um was a lot of obsession around my body and the way that I looked and so it only makes sense that weight gain would be scary so I'd say weight gain and exercise um I actually welcomed the idea of eating more it was more the weight gain piece that scared me and prevented me from eating more at that time.
0: Right on. Yeah, and that's so true and the story for so many women. So I'm curious for you. Maybe let's talk about the exercise piece first because I think the weight gain, as you said, is that deeper aspect of things and I know both you and I work with women that are so tied to that identity of being the fit one or something that's coming up for a lot of my clients lately is like well I've worked like so many years to be this fit and like what was the point of that if I stop working out now right like I'm just gonna like lose all my progress or whatever. Right. And so for you, how do you feel? And I know you like gave yourself that deadline, you went on vacation. And I think that if anyone can do that, I think that would be amazing because I know for me too, Whenever I went on vacation, you just feel a little bit more free, a little bit more relaxed, less rigid, right? And you're kind of going with the flow of those like vacation vibes. But um, kind of taking that out of the context, what about like letting go of those identities? How did you personally move through that kind of like vacation aside. (laughs) Because you still have to deal with it. Right, yeah.
1: Like vacation, I would say it was easy. And then like coming back home, it was like getting back into reality. It's like, okay, now I got to keep doing all this. Um, I think, and maybe this isn't the best answer, but I think for me, it was almost like a mind over matter, fake it till you make it type thing. Like I had decided that I wanted to do this recovery thing. And so even though I still struggled with body image and even though I still wanted to exercise, I just knew that I had to commit to this and I had to see if it would work for me. Like it wasn't in my mind worth like dabbling in. It was like, if I want this to work, I need to go all in, and I need to do it. And I need to just try it. Like I need to be committed and I need to, I guess in some ways I was like, if this doesn't work, then at least I know, you know, and I knew that my next route, I guess, especially with wanting to get pregnant is I was like, if I don't do this, then, you know, my next step is is injectable hormones and not in potentially IVF. And so I just felt like it was like worth a shot. And even though it was uncomfortable, And even though my identity was still very much wrapped up in the way that I looked, I just knew that I had to do it. And I think that letting go of that identity, Meg, maybe to better answer your question, evolved over time. Like, as I think I became better nourished, (laughs) I think that it was easier for me to, you know, see outside like this little container that I had lived in for so long And I think also experiencing so many positive benefits of recovery, like getting your period and like getting your sex drive back, like, hey, that's kind of cool. And then like being able to go out with girlfriends and have pizza and not have to worry about tracking it in a calorie tracker, or like having a fun weekend with everybody. And then, hey, let's all go grab pizza on Sunday. In addition to all of the, you know, splurging we've done all weekend. Um, Like being, having the freedom to do stuff like that. It was like, okay, like, you know, like, maybe I don't love the way I look right now, but like, this is awesome. And I have clearly been missing out on so much life. Um, so I think, like I said, I think it was an evolution of realizing that these things are better than what I thought was great for me at that time. Yes.
0: Yes. And also I say this so often and it's like the hardest thing about, Eating disorder recovery and kind of like working with another individual who's going through it and is kind of like at that starting point, right? Because their brains are so malnourished at the time. And so it's kind of hard to realize the truth of things. But then like you said, as soon as your body and your brain became more nourished, it's like, Oh, like you start seeing things differently. You start you thinking differently about things. It's not like, I don't know, anything really happens, but it's literally like you're more nourished. So you can start thinking more clearly and things are starting to make a little bit more sense. And they're not so scary, right? Cause we're thinking healthier thoughts
1: I think when you're stuck in HA and like um I'm forgetting the author right now, but the book Sick Enough describes, you know, some some of this is like when you have HA, is like your body has literally shut down like all of the like fun functions, right? So you're so you're like a robot. You're just so in your own little mode because it shut down, you know, like emotional regulation and probably in some ways, like ability to connect to other people. I think that, you know, another thing that's so beneficial with recovery is that your relationships improve because one, you have the time to invest in those relationships because you're not always thinking about when you're going to work out. You have the mental capacity to like actually listen and empathize with people. And then also, you know, as you your hormone levels get back to normal levels as you have more of like a deeper, like emotional connection to people. Um, So I think that that too, like, just realizing like the richness of relationships, that's better than, Mm -hmm. you know, having a six pack. Like it is, like, I know that it's hard to recognize that when you're stuck in that space, but like,
0: it is so much better, it really is. It really, really is, yeah. And that's coming from both you and I who have done the thing and no longer have a six pack and we (laughs) are so much happier without it, right? (laughs) I think yeah. that that's so like
1: nice to remind ourselves of too, whenever like you do, you know, you do catch yourself being like, oh, but remember when, you know, I was that fit or whatever. It's like, you know, all of that for most people kind of comes with some consequences of, you know, maybe not being as fun, not being as spontaneous with food, not being able to just like sleep in and enjoy, you know, a lazy Saturday with somebody, you know, like. It all kind of comes with a price and not a good one.
0: Yeah. I always kind of like to say and remind people like, who even sees your six pack? Right? Like what does it matter? Yeah, really <laughs> you like, know? <laughs> like I remember who a friend of mine really yeah, sees it? I remember a friend
1: of mine one time was like, Yeah, like I wish, you know, I was, you know, X pounds thinner because I would look better in a swimsuit. But literally, like, how many days of the year am I in a swimsuit versus like being in regular clothes? I'm like That's so true. Like, why do we put so much of our time and energy into, you know, what might be 10 days, 10 to 15 days out of the year? Who knows? You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. So while we're on the body image topic, I know that was like a bigger piece for you is the weight gain part. And I know I have my own personal kind of approach to this, but I'd love to hear from you because I know... Women like that weight gain piece is literally what prevents some women from doing this at all. And they Mm -hmm. just stay in the same spot, letting like their disordered eating or their eating disorder control them and not get a period back and then not get pregnant naturally like they can, as Mm -hmm. you've experienced, um, because of that weight gain piece. So for you, and I know we already kind of talked about it, is when we are more nourished, like things like that, it's just not that big of a deal, right? I, but yeah. what else helped you move through that? I think
1: like on a practical level, what I always recommend to women is during, like provided you're at a healthy weight to begin, with, like healthy, you know, BMI, you know, in, in a healthy place. Um, just put your scale away because I've never had a client weigh herself throughout this recovery process and be encouraged. Every time I hear somebody step on the scale during recovery, it's almost always a negative experience because it's not what you want it to be. Like, let's recognize that the reason why you're in the place you are right now, not getting your period is because you've been trying to control your weight and your weight like you've been trying to keep your weight in a spot that's unhealthy for your body and so it's gonna have to increase and you are going to notice weight gain and you're you're just gonna notice it so you don't need the you know constant reminder of the number on the scale saying you gained weight you gained weight you gained weight like we know you're gaining weight you're eating more food you're not exercising like this is part of the process and so honestly i think that my clients who don't weigh themselves during the recovery process do a lot better with it because I think that we can all also recognize that if we can take this number out of the equation, it's so much easier for us to learn to love our bodies because there, you know, you don't change that much, you know, like your body is your body. There are probably things that you like about your body at this maybe small unhealthy weight that you can still love about yourself at a, in a bigger body. Like, you know, maybe you really like the way your legs look or you have you know, like you have strong arms or like, you know, there's going to be things that like for your eyes, your eyes aren't going to change where your hair, I mean, hair usually gets better with recovery. Um, But I think that I really think that not weighing is really important. And then another thing that I always um, tell women to do is as your body, you know, changes get, get a different wardrobe. And I know that that can be tricky because you don't really know where you're going to end up, but you can buy like Amazon, you know, yoga leggings that (laughs) I have three pairs of leggings that I have worn throughout my entire pregnancy. Um, and so that just tells you how well these things stretch. You can buy clothes that kind of grow with you, flowy dresses, things like that. Um, and then once you kind of get to a point where, you know, you're feeling more like your body is kind of leveled off, I think it's also important to get out of just like sweatpants and lounge clothes all the time and like actually buy stuff that fits your body. And I would even go back to like probably some of those same things that you normally like to buy for yourself. You just might need it up a size or two. And so having things that fit and flatter your body help you to build confidence in, you know, how you look. I think that that's so crucial. And then of course, positive affirmations, right? So I think, we would never admit out loud or sometimes we get so stuck in it. We don't even realize it, but the dialogue, like the way that we talk to ourselves, like, I remember when I got married and you know, I would like gain weight on my honeymoon. And then I would like say things that I always said to myself out loud to my husband. And he'd be like, that's awful. Like, why do you talk to yourself like that? And like, he's always been supportive. So he's like, if you want to, lose five pounds, like lose five pounds, but my gosh, like don't beat yourself up about it. Like, you know, like it's crazy. I think that the negative things that we say to ourselves that keep us stuck in this space. And so one of the things I always encourage my clients to do is to work on positive affirmations. And let's talk about that dialogue that's going on in your head. What can we say back to those negative thoughts? How can we replace those thoughts with positive thoughts? And how can we like, like, talk ourselves down from spiraling because I think that those negative thoughts and that negative dialogue is like the core of a negative body image. A negative body image is what has been driving you to over-exercise and under-eat for however long you've been doing.
0: Absolutely. It's like the foundation of how I support my clients is through our thoughts and the inner dialogue because if we don't have that in place, how can we build off of that? If everything we're saying to ourselves or thinking and we're consuming every single thought and everything is negative. You can't do much off of like that negative foundation. So that's so key. I know I had some favorite mantras or affirmations as I was moving through recovery. Do you have like a favorite or two that really helped you personally? Yeah, I do. So
1: one of the things that I would kind of force myself to do, um, you know, a couple times throughout the week is to just like head to toe, look at my body in the mirror in like my underwear or naked or whatever, and just repeat to myself, there is nothing wrong with your body. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Like you used to sit here and pick apart every little thing that you didn't like about yourself. Let's also recognize that like, there's nothing wrong with your body. Like if you have your period back, your body is functioning. Your body is healthier than it's ever been, you know? Um, And that's another thing that my husband had to remind me of too, is I would be like, so down on myself about like, oh, like I'm, you know, this size now, or I weigh this now. And he's like, this is the healthiest your body's ever been. Like, you know, like you can't deny that your body is healthier with a period than without a period.
0: Mm-hmm. Good husband. Good yeah. <laughs> I like that practice of, and that's the thing. I had one of those moments in my recovery process where I still hadn't had my period back yet, but at this point it came like just a couple weeks later or whatever, but I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, if I removed every other thing that like I'm comparing myself to or how I think I should look, right? Like, let's just erase that from my mind. And if I just look at me, just me, I'm like, there's I have no issue with this body. But mm-hmm. then as soon as you bring in like everything else, all those outer like expectations and the things that you're comparing yourself to all of a sudden, yeah, you're going to be like, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. I wish this was different. So mm-hmm. that was a practice that I used as well was just like really just looking at me and removing yeah. everything else. And that was helpful. Yeah yeah but okay something else I really wanted to make sure we talked about is the nourishing like nourishment piece because something that you really do so well and you're a dietitian um you talk about like how to actually make sure you're eating that 2500 calorie minimum goal type thing for recovery because that is necessary and if we're eating less than that intentionally, or maybe even not intentionally, um, you're cutting yourself short and you're kind of prolonging that recovery process. And so one thing that was really important for me was realizing like that, that number 2,500 calories is not a lot of food, right? It's not not a lot of food. We're literally brainwashed and thinking that, That is a lot of food because we're constantly being told that a thousand calories less than that is what a woman should be surviving off of. So I think that's like a big sticking point that I see in a lot of women. And for me also, like years ago when I started the HA recovery process and when I was opening up No Period Now for the first time, it's kind of like hard to believe do I actually need that much food? But then now that you and I are recovered, right? And now we're looking back and it's like, dude, that is not a lot of food, right? It's really <laughs> not. And I think that I, like, I,
1: it's so funny because I always, you know, give my clients a meal plan whenever they first start with me just to show them what it looks like. But a week or two into eating like that, they're like, this is really easy, <laughs> it's just a matter of like getting over the hump of like allowing yourself to eat that much.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so easy. I feel like anything less than that now is just like, where's my food at?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's wild. I mean, it's just, I think because we get so stuck in gravitating towards the lowest calorie options, it does feel like a lot. And to be fair, if you tried to eat 2,500 calories worth of broccoli,
0: that would be really hard. So it does require changing the types of foods that you're eating. Totally. Being so much more mindful because I know prior to HA recovery, and we kind of all have our different stories, right? Some people, Are eating hardly any fats. Um, Some people are coming off of extremely low carb ways of eating. And that was kind of my story. And I really had to teach myself what a proper carbohydrate intake was. And it was life changing. And it's like, how amazing is it to eat a whole bowl of rice or a whole bowl of oatmeal rather than not? you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, what's funny too, is a lot of times, um, sometimes I'll have clients do food journals for me and, you know, I say, you know, try to be as detailed as possible. You don't need to be like, you know, weighing and measuring your food, but just, you know, give me an idea of, you know, what you're doing. And so often clients get to me eating like a teaspoon of peanut butter. And I'm like, look at the label, a serving size is two tablespoons. Like you are like clearly not eating what is even you know a suggested amount which again is you know a suggestion yeah yeah <laughs> well. I'm pretty sure I eat like two to three times that when I'm yeah sandwich.
0: I'm like but hey two tablespoons of to be so far peanut below peanut the yeah. suggestion
1: is it's it's mind-blowing um now but I get it because I was in that brain space for a while too same
0: Same. Oh, Lindsay, I could chat with you forever. (laughs) This has been so much fun. And I'm sure we'll have you on the show again. But why don't you let everyone know about how they can work with you? I know you have a group coaching program. So many women are getting such amazing results from that, but of course they are because you've been through the process and you're leading them through exactly what you've done yourself and you're being their biggest supporter along the way. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So, um, I run six week group, uh, coaching programs. A lot of my clients choose to continue beyond the six weeks, but, um, I have some clients that recover really quickly. You know, everybody's recovery journey is gonna look really differently. Um, And we do weekly coaching calls and you get a meal plan to help you really understand what 2,500 calories look like. Um, You know, as a dietitian, I'm always supporting you with your food choices and helping you understand, you know, why you need to eat more and how to do it and that it's okay giving you reassurance that it's healthy and for you as well. But yeah, the group, my gosh, I just can't emphasize enough how important community is. So whether you work with me, whether you work with Meg, whether you work with any other um, professional who has experience in HA, I would say that that needs to absolutely be the prerequisite when you're looking to hire a coach. Um, Working alongside other women that have the same fears and struggles as you is so invaluable and will make this uncomfortable and challenging recovery process so much easier for you so much,
0: so much easier yeah and also making sure that that community that you do surround yourself with is supportive and you know like uplifting and doing the things to actually get there and that's what's clearly happening with your girls you're sharing recovery success stories all the time so I'm just so pumped for everyone working with you and the work that you're doing Lindsay it's amazing
1: yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that, Meg.
0: Yeah, of course. So one last question. You're on the Unbreakable You podcast. So I ask this um, to all my guests, but what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Wow. Um, to be unbreakable, I guess, would mean that
1: you're resilient. So regardless of what happens to you and the challenges that you're faced with, you um, you adapt and you get through hard times and you come out on the other side even stronger. So each struggle that you're going through is something that's shaping you and molding you into a stronger version of yourself.
0: Beautiful. And literally kind of recaps the journey that you shared with us um, today. So thank you so much, Lindsay. I really enjoyed this.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again so much for having me, Meg. This was really good.